Oh, oh, perfect timing. You. are now <laughs> about to witness. Look at the mung along the glasses edge there. The awesome, the crushing uh, might of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stop it! Woo! Ah. Welcome, my friends. <laughs> To a show that seemingly never ends. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Welcome to V. Two, a one, a six of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. We got a lot to talk about. And as usual, nothing to talk about. But uh, if you think I come bearing gifts, kind words and hugs about last night you're absolutely wrong but let's bob let's let have bob <laughs> bob riley sing us in as he has every week since 2007 stigmata intro all of nothing from the record calling of the just still available from revelation records Huntington beach california where they shoot your death in the nightclub hit your car with a hammer and run your mayor pro tem out of town on a rail. Listen, listen well. Yeah, Sal DeMato. Where am I? Where am I? I can't see. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. Payback you for always nothing. All right, all right, my friends. I hear the kid just came home as I started the show. Uh, um, and uh, let's start. Let's start. First of all, let's get to the commercials. So I'm not going to be shouting for the rest of the show. Let's get to the commercials, get that out of the way. And listen, unless you feel like it's money for nothing and chicks for free. You could, there are also other ways that are available to put money into the coffers. If you don't have this, you should. I happen to have a copy on hand. Look at that. Fuck it. Well, I'm selling it anyway. It's a damaged corner. But uh, a bookstore that I did where I was at with Jim Ruland, Green Apple Books, where I was doing a reading with him. I guess he did the reading and I was on the panel of just like, Questions and answers. It looks like it's backwards. I'm sure you're reading it front ways. Anyway, um, uh, the guys at the bookstore said, we we don't have your books here. Because at the end, they were signing books that people were buying. I was like, oh, my God, that's an outrage. Well, order some from me, and I'll give you some. I'll sign them even. So they've got this. So you can go to Amazon. You can buy this. Eh? If you don't want to just give money to Pinko95014 at yahoo.com via PayPal or patreon.com slash the stomper or eugene-robinson-28 at Cash App or Planet Oxbow Venmo. If you don't want to do any of those things or send it in the mail the old-fashioned way, the way Tommy Pounds does, you can buy all the product. Here's this. And keep in mind, the show, while not seeming to be meticulously planned, is meticulously planned. Because this book, The Inimitable Sounds of Love, a threesome in four acts, is a play put out by Southern Records, strangely enough, in London. And there's a French version of it that happened first. I'll get into that. For those of you who've heard it before, please excuse me, but you're going to hear it again. 
I was contracted by a, a French uh, arts organization in Marseille. They said, we want you to do a residency. They said, John Cage did a residency. I have a house full of Poles. Now they're apparently all screaming in Polish. John Cage came and for they put you up, room and board, 30 days. And at the end, you can do something or not do something. They said, John Cage did. I go, well, John Cage did. I go, what did John Cage do? So, well, John Cage wrote a symphony. I can't, I can't write a symphony. They said, well, you know, the temptation is, it's state money. The temptation is to go, spend the 30 days hanging out. And turn in nothing. Every time they ask, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. So they pay for airfare. And the first meal lasts, they get show me my room, drop my stuff in my room. It's resplendent, not the place I'm staying, the restaurant. This is great. I go, it was connected to like a cafe as well in the art space. And I go, uh, where do we meet for breakfast? I go, you just go to the cafe. I go, oh, it was wonderful. I go to the cafe, I get breakfast. And uh, you know, I'm I said, well, let me, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to write. I'm gonna write, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna write something nobody will ever pay me for. I'm gonna write a play. So I write, I'll start writing a play called The Inimitable Sounds of Love, a threesome in four acts. That night I go, hey, uh, what time is dinner? Uh, if you've known any Eugene story, you know, it comes with the fatal catch. And herein was the catch. When the Frenchman turns to me and says, dinner? Question mark. I go, yeah, we had dinner last night. It's customary to have dinner every night for some people. They go, oh, that was just to welcome you here. I go, and tonight? So you're on your own for food. I go, no, no, no. You paid for airfare and the room and board. Oh, you got to read the contract. Pay for the airfare and room, but you're on your own for... I go, whoa, 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 whoa. What am I supposed to use to buy food with? They go, money. So so I got to go in the hole? I got to go in the hole to give you a piece of product after 30 days. Your arts organization. Well, you have a place to stay. You know what? Interestingly enough, I had a place to stay before I, I, I left California. They were like, well, that's what is that's the way it is. You can get an occasional donut or whatever at that cafe, but you're on your own for. <laughs> so what do you think I chose to do? So fuck you not feeding me? I'm not eating. Maybe you find me slumped over the computer. I'm not eating. I'm not paying shit out of my pocket. Not a nickel, not a nickel will I spend. So I go down to keep going down to the cafe oh, for lunch, dinner. That means for like eight days, lunch and dinner was like a scone for lunch, a scone for dinner. Six, five, six days into it, I'm getting a little peckish, getting woozy, I'm getting cold a lot. Turn the heat up in the room. It's the middle of summer, but it's freezing because I'm dying. I won't budge. Finally, I go to see an MMA match and I get all jazzed up. I have to walk there because, of course, I'm not paying for transport. And I'm not even renting a city bike. So I walk all the way to this event. So I'm burning up calories. Now I'm like I'm weak on the way back. I get lost and I was like, I can't. I need it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend a euro. And I bought some pasta. Because there was stuff in the room. The condiments. There was butter and salt. So this play was a real starvation play. I finished the play. I give it to the people as I leave. Here's your fucking play. You can see the full title. The Inimitable Sounds of Love, A Threesome in Four Acts. That's the full title. That is the full title. It's the name of the book. They put it out in French, The Inimitable Sounds of Love. I go, that's, they don't let me see a copy. They print it. I go, you got to kill this printing. You go, I'm sorry. You got to, I know state sponsored money. You got to reprint it, get the right title on there. 
They said, well, you have to talk to the organization's lead. I get on the, the email with the guy. The guy goes, well, that's the way it is. I go, no, it's not the way it is. They were supposed to bring me over for a subsequent reading after the after it came out in French. First of all, it'd be one thing if in the intro, and I don't, I don't care if you find it as boring. I'm sorry. I got to go through it. In the intro, I say, uh, I'll just read you the last sentence. It is a gentle piano. It's a gentle piano meander, reminiscent of Bill Evans. If some would say it was a song, the nearness of you, they wouldn't be wrong. The nearness of you. That's a jazz standard. The nearness of you. The guy who translated the play from English into French is a is a bass playing musician as well, a jazz fan. He translated it from the English into the English the nearest of you. So I said, if the, I can take the title being wrong, if you correct that, I can, you gotta, you can't have both. You can't have two fuck ups. And the guy was like, well, I don't like your attitude. And I said, you don't like my attitude. You fucking dirty piece of fucking shit. I'll stab you with a neck with a butter. And then of course all conversation ceased. Right. I tell I tell a translator, this, this, this thing is dead to me now. It's dead to me. Well, then the guy who's in charge of the big Marseille paper contacts me, goes, this is an outrage and we're going to, you know, we're going to get it. I go, that's cool. I got a champion. Somebody from the arts organization contacts me. And he says, you know, it was eerie when you turned this thing in. It was really eerie. I go, what's eerie? The story, uh, I'll just read it. Uh, I'll just read a little bit more of it to you here. Uh... Let's see. Uh, oh, it doesn't. Re- oh, here is a play that delves deeply and ever more thoroughly into the machinations of a maneuvering husband, his doting wife and her equally doting lover. A husband is trying to convince his wife to have a threesome with this guy that they know who he doesn't know is already his wife's lover. Hijinks ensue. Somebody from the arts organization says, hey, you know, Eugene, um, you know, the guy who's the head of the organization eerily had, this is like his story. When you turned this in, we were all like freaked out. Like, how did he know? How did he, how could he have guessed? How did somebody tell him? We had no idea. We thought he was just going to kill it right out. I go, this story happened to him? Pretty much. You know, that woman that was at dinner the other night, that's his wife. She was the woman and it was just like the story. And I go, who was the third leg on the on the stool here? There they go, the guy who's the editor-in-chief of the newspaper in Marseille, the guy who was championing my cause. Needless to say, none of it worked. The French version still says nearest of you, and it still has this as, as a top title. Um, but uh, the best part is a friend of mine that runs a theater company in London. This was published in London, the English version. And I said, you should put it on. And uh, she she took it and said, you don't have the you don't have a good enough role for for women in it. I go, there are three characters. One of them is a woman. She is the linchpin of the entire story. I don't know what you're talking about. You could just say no. But in any case, you know, it is about a guy trying to talk his wife into a threesome with his with his uh, 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 with a friend of his, but who's all he doesn't know is already his wife's lover. Hijinks and Sue. It's a good play. My dream, my bucket list dream is to live long enough to see somebody stage it. But that has not happened yet. But I say this because apropos of this, I got the third letter for the sex column that I ran in the Substack this week, if you have not read it. The third one, the one that put me over the top, is the second one in the piece where a guy writes me and says, he goes, have you ever written a letter of apology to the guy uh, who you had an affair with his wife or his girlfriend or whatever? And I answered in real life, just like I answered, and I pretty much copied what I, because it seemed like he needed to know with a certain amount of urgency, I uh, I just copied what I texted him or tweeted him or however I communicated it through him with this stupid phone. I said, no, why would I do that? And he was like, yeah. And I thought, well, why am I even asking you? And I go, no, 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 you're misinterpreting. I'm not being 
I'm not being a macho prick about this. To, to me, it seems to be a product of, 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 of hostility. You know, like, and this is what I say in the piece. It's like those people who are like, oh, I'm one of those brutally honest people. Okay, great. Your shirt sucks. Ah, that's great. You, you, so this is just an excuse for you to be crude and unkind. You walked all the way over here to tell me my, sh- my, my shirt sucks. Thank you. Another opinion I didn't need. So, you know, you unburdening stuff, unless the guy's a friend of yours. If the guy's a friend of yours, then I even have to question bringing it up. It seems like you're just rubbing the guy's face in it. Anyway, it's got nothing to do with you. Their relationship failings here or there, the rough spots they went ever to. Did you use a gun? You didn't use a gun? I go, there's only one instance in which I want to do that. And it was the very first time I did that. How old was I? 15. 15 years old. And in this instance, my good buddy, who was older than me, and his girlfriend, who were older than me, she had already broken up with him. We worked together. So during the days, he was telling me all about the, the he was sad he was, and I was commiserating. And as luck would have it, one night, I was out drinking. Yes, yes, yeah, I was drinking when I was 15. And one thing ended up another. I ended up with her and then got a bang, got a bang, got a bang. Antoinette. Those of you who know me since then would remember her. She's also the one who got kicked out of college for stabbing a guy with an ice pick. I know how to pick him. In her defense, she said she warned him she was going to stab him with the ice pick. And the guy dared her. So she stabbed him through the arm with the ice pick, got kicked out of school. I've never seen her again and wonder what happened to her, but she was a firecracker. So I spend the days here with him complaining about her and then the nights. And then after the job ended, we, you know, we, we left the place where we were, went back, and he and I still hung out every now and then. I'd go over to his house. I mean, these are the great, great old days of me being 15. We drink some Southern Comfort, smoke a little weed, do a little Coke. <laughs> That's crazy, 15 years old. Actually, at this point, I was 16. And I go, I got to tell him, man. I got to tell him. I got to tell him. I got to tell him. And then I could tell the day he found out before I had a chance to tell him. Because things got very chilly on the phone. And I was like, fuck. Now I can't tell him. Because now it seems like I'm telling him just to like fix things. And all I wanted to do was like, like look. And I'm, don't keep in mind. I will, I am no one's cat, cat's paw. You know, I mean, there's certain situations in which it's called for. You have to say, hey, man, listen, before we go into business together, you should know something. You know, I slept with your ex. If that's going to be a problem, let's discuss that shit now. Let's not get down too far down this road. Then it's a problem. and We can't get out of bed with each other in some sort of business deal. I have a friend who went to prison for murder. He murdered his girlfriend. He said something interesting when I interviewed him. The interview is online. He said, I was, I don't consider myself a domestic abuser. I didn't domestically abuse my wife or my girlfriend. There's no, there, there's no single, there's no single incident or set of incidents prior to the murder that anyone could call abuse. Yeah, I don't like to do it. I don't like to lie. Unless it saves my life. Like that time I almost got killed by the mafia enforcer. Then I lie quite easily. If it keeps me from being a victim of a homicide, lying is on the table. So he says, I never domestically abused this woman before I killed her. But you have to understand, we were in business together. And the business we were in together was a drug business. If her, the, my business partner, who she was about to run off with, had been there when I got there, if he had been five minutes later, I'd have killed them both. That's just the way things work in that world, period, close quote. Now, of course, statistically speaking, he goes down on the, on the books as domestic abuser because domestically, his partner was strangled to death and the corpse was mutilated. It looks bad. 
But I, I, I'm, you know, I mean, I like to, um, I like to disclose if I think it's going to be a thing. So this is what I tell the guy in his answer. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine why you would. So I tell my mother this, and my mother goes, "Don't, don't stop telling people stuff like that." I go, why, mom? What is just? She goes, "I don't stop. You know, people just uh, people don't need to know your business unless you're writing it in a book." I go, "Well, I did. I wrote it in a play." She goes, "Yeah, but a play is like fiction, right?" I go, "Yeah, fiction." <laughs> No, 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 it, it really is. It's yeah, okay, but you just don't be admit. And I go, I know, I know, I know this is the thing. Don't admit the stuff in public. I got I got, got you. But in this instance, I mean, people need to some guy was like, you know, some guy said to me, Eugene, you know, have you ever slept with a married woman? And I was like, Well, yeah. He's like, I hate guys like you. What do you mean, man? It's like uh, like uh, I'm I was like the what? If there are no problems, you don't see it was this is the old days. This is you don't see me, so, you know. You come home, you act a little fucked up, you be a little salty with the with the the wife or the girlfriend. Who knows what happens? In any case, like I say in in the in the new newsletter, which is why I'm talking about this. I say in the new newsletter, we're mammals. This is mammalian politics. What do you want? What do they say in every urban center? If you have four kids, if you're a man with four kids. The statistical chances that one of those kids is not yours, very high. Very high. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to tee up, I just wanted to tee up, tee up the, the sex column, which is the new newsletter for this week. I got tired after the abortion piece last week, and there was a shooting in Buffalo that I wanted to address, but I got, I just, I need a break from the grim. I need a break from the grim. And like I've said before, ages, ages, since the 80s, if you are a person of color in America and you do not own a firearm, you're out of your fucking mind. You're out of your mind. Or alternatively, I have also said, if you're out and you hear the sound of firecrackers, it's not. It sounds like firecrackers. Somebody set off firecrackers here in the. And what blows my mind, what blows my mind after you look at the guy, the guy who was in buying toys for his kid in like Big Five or something, and was shot in the aisle by a cop, that this cat who takes an AR-15 and so it kills like ten people was arrested without incident. <laughs> Arrested without incident. Man, that's interesting. I'm not going to get into why. I think I just, just kind of curious, don't you think? Um, but uh, like I talked about on the on the last uh, 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 If the Shoes Fit. And uh, uh, here we go. Uh, what I said on If the Shoes Fit, I started talking about the Reichstag. Um in the Reichstag, and if those of you didn't, didn't see the latest, if the shoes fit, I start to go down memory lane about how after Ernst Rome was dispatched um, in the Night of the Long Knives, where all, he, where Hitler took all of the old, uh, I forget what he called them, the, all of the cats that had been in World War One with him. They had a special name for them, like original fighters or some such thing. Nah, this I can't remember. Uh, um and and there was this thing that was happening where people were summarily they were arresting each other, having some summary judgments, and taking each other outside the Reichstag in hallways and and, and uh, shooting them. Freikorps, yeah. But then there was another name they call them old old combat, but yeah, Freikorps. That's what I'm talking about. So they would take them outside. It was, you know, Hitler loved this idea of a team of rivals, but he it was a ridiculous extreme. So it got to the point that if you were walking by somebody in the Reichstag, guys were drawn, you know, uh, let's just say Lugers, were drawn their Lugers, you know, good Morgan, good Morgan, and you know, sidling with their backs to the wall until the other guy got out of sight before they'd scurry on to where they wanted to go. People were like, by the authority vested in me, 
Well, based on this thing I have from Hitler, you're an enemy of the state. They were killing each other. Remember that two week that two week uh, Oxbow episode where he said, "Well, why is murder bad? Well, murder as a tool of uh, as a as a social construct is bad because it breeds. It's a product of an unstable society, and society has one goal in and of itself, which is to is to replicate itself. So unstable societies don't replicate themselves. Thousand year Reich, twelve years didn't work. You just can't have people summarily yanking each other off the street and shooting each other. However, <laughs> how, however, uh, 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 what can I say? I, I don't really intend to be taken unawares. If I get outgunned, that's fine. I showed up to a gunfight with a gun and I got outgunned. Oh, well. So I didn't want to talk about the, 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 uh, uh, the Buffalo thing. And I don't, because it's just, it's complicated. It's like, so invariably somebody would p- try to piss me off by saying, ah, oh, well, you know, how many, how many black folks got shot by black folks in Chicago this past weekend? You don't seem to be that upset about that. You know, <laughs> well, it's clear that this is an issue of ideology. Black folks shooting black folks in Chicago over the weekend is a product of, of hopelessness and despair which are hateful, while hateful ideologies have no prescriptions that are attached to them. You know, if you're writing pages and pages about how you hate Jews and mud people, like this couple from the club, they get into the Uber drive, the Uber driver's car and the Uber driver says, Oh, I got a normal driver. He goes, what do you mean? Well, white guy. (laughs) I, I retweeted that. And he kicks him out of his car. So you said this this ride would be different for you if I wasn't a white guy? Well, yeah, he's get out of the car. Get out. Get out. And the husband's like, yeah, you're a fucking nigga lover. I kick your kick your ass. He goes, I got it all on tape. Got it all, and it's all recorded. I'm calling the cops now. You've threatened to assault me. You know, and, and there's some people, there are a lot of comedians now, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Essentially, what they've said is they feel much more comfortable with outward racism because it's it's honest and it's 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 forthright and it shows its face rather than, you know, the more clandestine guy telling me he didn't want me dating his daughter because it was a cultural issue. It was a cultural issue. I go, where are you from? He goes, Sweden. I go, where's your wife from? He goes, Estonia? I go, cultural issue, huh? Well, that's very different. I go, of course it is. <laughs> uh, of course, the deeper story is, guess what? Dude was molesting his daughter. Didn't want somebody finagling in the same pot. Discovered before he died. And he died within the last year. Damn, it feels good to see people up on it. Except he died without having face in ju- face judgment. At le- she She knew. And revealed this to the world. And I actually was able to get her to write an article about it for Ozzy. And actually sent him the link. You know, Machiavelli said it best. Don't make an enemy. Don't make an enemy. My mother, speaking of which, was telling me the story. She had this high-powered city job. She had people coming in, probably her family, coming in to visit. It was around the holidays. There's not going to be anybody there. She said to her boss, she goes, hey, uh, can I can I, can I, I leave early on Friday? I'd like to leave her. She says, no. Easy leave. No. It's not going to be anybody here. I've got the time. I've got sick days and vacation time. I could do it, but I'd like to take this personal time off. No. So she goes to the woman's boss and goes, hey, listen, this is nuts. I'd like to leave a little bit early on Friday. Maria says, no. Um, and they go, well... I can appreciate that that seems reasonable. It seems reasonable to me too, but I can't violate the chain of command and go over her head to do this. My mother goes, oh, okay. Goes downstairs. I'm resigning. <laughs> Quits the job. Robinson family values. Fuck you. Quits the job, right? Gets a better job and then happens to be waiting for the bus like seven months later. And who does she see? Sees the boss that denied her that Friday. Oh, how you doing? Yeah, they laid everybody off. You got anything that's good at your place? And my mother says, oh, no, sorry, we've cut back. And we won't give her. 
And I go, uh, you played that wrong. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, I had a woman like that, a boss. And uh, she sent me a resume at the magazine I was at a couple of jobs after the job we were together. This is the same boss that walked into my office and smashed down a phone book on my keyboard and said, I want you to look up something for me now. <laughs> I just looked at it and goes, excuse me, and went to our common boss's office and said, you got, you can't, can't do it. And so changed the reporting structure, but she came back and my mom would have just dispatched with it. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a place here. Send me your resume. She sends a resume in full Sicilian fashion. Nothing for me. She contacts me, says, did you get the resume? I go, oh, I don't know. It must've been some weird computer hiccup. I haven't gotten it. Could you resend the resume? <laughs> she resends the resume. I do it until finally she like, I'm going to drop boxes to you so you can't. And I'm going to send it there. And then she goes, did you get it? I said, yes, I got it. I'm going to get you into the system. I'm going to call you back tomorrow. Let you know what happens. I don't call her back tomorrow. She calls me the day after the day. I'm just like, hey, anything? Oh, yeah, they're, they're really excited. I just string this thing along until finally, finally, somehow sitting around in whatever unemployed world she was, she was thinking like, he, oh, he's not letting bygones be bygones. There was one woman I work with who knifed me in the back right around the time the fight book came out. All right. Is that right? Knife in the back. She got laid off. Just bought a fancy new car. Gets laid off. Says to Kasha, goes, hey, this is, they're hiring over at Eugene's place. And Kasha knew the story. She was like, oh, you got to give Eugene a call. <laughs> that woman was smart enough to know that's not, <laughs> I'm not going to be called into some Sicilian trap. Fuck that. He's not giving me a job. And she was right. You knife me in the back. Eh? Eh? You think I've forgotten? No, 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 In any case, in any case, honesty, to tie it into this substack, um, is always, in, in a weird way, the best policy. You know? I'm And, and, and I have apologized to people. But in, in a weird way, I've apologized to people for things I haven't done. <laughs> the guy, you know, introduced me to his fiance, and then the, they uh, they break up. So I was like, well, this seems like an opportunity for dun, 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 penis man. <laughs> what do I, what am I going to do? So I, I'm going to chat, I start chatting up his fiance. Why? And listen, California did this to me. When I was a New York guy, well, that's not true. The first story was in New York, so never mind. So I make a play for the guy's ex-fiance. And then at one point I meet the guy and he's giving me, we're talking and we're friendly and everything's above board, but he's giving me a look. And the look is a very, is a very interesting look. The look is like, the look says to me, are you going to bullshit me? Are you going to bullshit me? And I knew in this conversation that we were having that this was a moment, that that moment wouldn't exist after this moment because he would have answered it himself. And I was like, hey, man, listen. And I fucking just own up to it. This is what I tried to do. I don't know. I must have been out of my mind. I don't lie and say I feel terrible about it. I just... It's an opportunity. You know, the guy who jumps on the back of the snake and the snake bites him and they both drown and goes, what do you expect? I'm a snake. It's just the thing. Mammal politics. What can I say? And the guy was like, you know what? I had the same problem too. I understand you 100%. And I got to tell you, I appreciate your candor. It's not like the guy was a physical threat to me. He was no kind of personal threat to me at all but I didn't like the look in his face. On the other hand, I had a guy come to me and say, hey, Eugene, and, and he was asking me to publicly acknowledge a criminal activity, act. Like, did you do the ding-a-ding-a-ding in a public setting? I mean, there were people, he's asking me. And I looked him in the eye and goes, no. 
And what I was hope he was trying to force that is a you bullshit moment in a public forum. And I looked at him and said, know what you're asking. But you have to know, I'd be a natural born fool to publicly admit to criminal behavior. So, nope. And I never saw that kid again. What's his name? Randy or Rudy. Either Randy or Rudy. I think it was Rudy. I like that guy. I wish I could have had a, are you bullshitting me a moment where I could say, uh, I'm not bullshitting anybody. This is the kind of guy I am. I wish I could have had that with him, but I had my exposure was too great. I just say this to say the sex column is fun. You should read it. Go to the Substack. Let's get to the fights. Now, all the shit that I said, John Nash won the week, so there's a boo for that. But all the things I said about Rakich were dead on. He didn't fight. It was not a timid performance like his last fight. He's like, I got to the mountaintop. Now is the time. You remember I interviewed at one point an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Stephen G. Ballinger, also former guitar player for Whipping Boy. And we were talking about athletic performance specifically. And he says, you don't understand that the degree to which Usain Bolt is successful or Lance Armstrong, drugs aside, is whoever can push it as close to the, 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 the line of total physical failure, it ends up being the winner. By which I mean, um, but which I mean, if you, let's look at Steve, Steve Austin, a man barely alive. Six million dollar man, and of course they have only one leg is bionic, and then they have him running sixty miles an hour. What the fuck do you think has happened to the non bionic leg? Stop with that, or maybe both of his legs were bionic. Somebody would have had to have catch caught that, or his bionic arm, even though it's connected to you know very weak, <laughs> you know very human shoulders. But uh, Ballinger's take was that you know if. Usain Bolt could run one second faster, he might trip over the dividing line between total. I mean, he gets as close to human failure, the human body. Maybe he runs 31 miles an hour. That day he shows up and runs 33 miles an hour. That could be the day that his body says, fuck you. I'm not made for this and breaks everything. The degree to which Emmett Smith is successful or to which anybody who has a long-term career premised on being physically adept is successful is a degree to which they can get to failure. The one who gets closest to absolute physical failure is a, there's a, there's a, there's a line maximum effort, minimum failure, and a super maximum effort, increased possibility of failure. And Rakich did that. He's sleeping in the hyperbaric chamber. He's doing this. He's still training with the, uh, 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 Sarau Academy known associate Robert Pastush, who was there in his corner. I've been uh, trying to, I was thinking about getting a hold of Pastouche, but I figure it's a bad time. Yep. So he was, I got into an argument with John and and Steph. They both believe that he was losing that fight. Uh, Steph specifically, she is out of her mind. He was not losing that fight. Rakich, in my mind, she said, well, okay, he was... He lost the first round, but he won the second round, but he was losing the third round. I get the, he was handling him. And, and uh, look, I don't want to be, uh, Blavitz is, is in my mind is not in that Chuck Liddell territory where I keep picking against him and he keeps winning. Yeah. I picked against him and he's won and I shouldn't back off a of Polish power, but you know, Rakic is, is team associate, uh, known associate. So I got to go with the team known associate. And uh, I, I just, you know, he looks slow to me without that injury. He's not winning that fight. I don't feel, I don't feel like it. I feel like Ray on the ground that said, essentially, I'm not afraid of you on the ground and to worry about with me standing up. He snapped his head back a couple of times, but that's was like, I'm still standing. Keep trying. But he hit total failure. The good news is he's not an executive gatekeeper at this point. It wasn't that kind of, it was a fluke. It feels like a fluke. And so instead of turning around to face the line of guys, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, 
he still turns. He, he can still face front and face a guy, the champion, guy number one, number two, number three, run it back with uh, Blahovitz. I'm sure not something Blahovitz is interested in doing necessarily, um, but um, I'm sorry. I got I just looked at one of the comments. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Legally carry. You know how hard it is to get. You know how hard it is to get a concealed weapons carry permit in California. It's really, really hard. Well, that's gonna stop us, right? That should. Yeah, we're legal. What was that about? Not admitting to law, illegal criminal activities. That's right. I guess I don't have a, a, a concealed weapon permit. I shouldn't carry one. So anyway. <laughs> Um, Blavitz was looking slow. He's 39 and more the, you know, the vicissitudes of family life and the whole bit. He doesn't want to go back to work in the factory, but you don't understand if you live in Poland, you know, go to any, any, any currency exchange and type in what would be a reasonable amount of money for you in dollars and see what it comes up as Wadis. Spelled is I'm pronouncing it the way it should be pronounced. But if it was written, it looks like Z-L-O-T-Y-S. The exchange rate is, I mean, many of us now worried to move to Poland would be quite well suited. I don't say swanning around with big cigars and fur coats, but we'd be okay. They're not part of the, well, the European Union thing. They're not using the euros. They're still using Zwadis. So it's not like he's worried about going back to the factory. He's just getting older. Uh, of course, this I could be affected. Yeah, exactly. Not only the guy who who, who the, <laughs> the guy who I beat because he punched himself in his own eye. There was a guy who I was at, at Purple Belt Nogi uh, 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 IBJJF Worlds, and I was tooling this guy. Took him down, passed his guard, got the side control, and then all the power in my left arm went out. Couldn't move. I'd been moving pianos that week and didn't think anything of it. And the guy jumps up off the mat and he's like celebrating. I'm like, what's a fucking guy celebrating for? So God hated me today. So that's cause for celebration. And I would have continued along that line. I thought if he hadn't had me meet his wife and sign a copy of my fight book. Yes, ego won out over there, and his wife was attractive. So I was like, yeah, the guy wants the book side. Who am I? God hated me today. That's all right. I still got this book. Ego got in the way of me fucking having a vendetta against this guy. But it didn't matter. No matter what happened, yeah, well, no matter what happened, the stink of that, of that, of that, um, the other fight, which is the one that I'm outraged about. Let's just go back to Chugian. Come on. Come on with that. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you? Are you? And again, Steph was like, it was very close. I actually had it for Caitlin. Go, Steph, I love you, but this you you're talking like a lunatic. That is crazy person talk. That's not. I didn't watch it with the sound up. So I don't know what they were saying. But there was nothing that I was seeing that indicated to me that she won that fight. Nothing. Nothing. And not only that, she didn't believe she won the fight. Only once. My, I had a coach who got pissed off at me where I go, I don't feel like I won that fight. He goes, the judges say you won. It's back when I was doing MMA. I go, I don't care. I don't feel I didn't win that fight. He goes, don't be a fuck. You do not question the good times are bad. You don't go. It goes your way. You don't know what they saw. You don't know what they saw. Yeah. There's only once where I, I have, I've had a fighter go. I didn't win that. That guy won that. And I think that was in the UFC. I can't remember who it was. And I mentioned that today at, at, at jujitsu. And some guy said, yeah, it was like when Floyd May Mayweather fought that Korean fighter at some Olympic thing. And, uh, and the Korean judges all gave it to the Korean fighter. And the Korean fighter was like, no, I don't win that fight. So I go, okay, two instances. So you can see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although all of America is afraid to tell us that she's no good. And so they announce it for her. And you can see her surprise. That other chick tooled her up. It's like, okay, so you 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 put a stamp on this. 
anybody fighting knows I gotta have to murder her before the, the house is gonna concede. What part of the franchise they're building up on her back? What constituencies does she have that they're trying to please by 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 cutting her the kind of slack that doesn't doesn't even oh yeah, sorry, that that's right. That's what somebody actually ended up saying that it was Roy Jones Jr. That's I forgot the second part. I mean, what 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 is driving what is driving what is you know <laughs> the guy said to Steve Howe, who are you, his drug dealer? What is the connection? But the, the model was he having a vision quest moment during the fight? How was he watching the fight with something other than his eyes? I don't know, but there's a Cecil Peoples Award in it for him. Cecil P Cecil Peoples Award in it for him. If you don't know who Cecil Peoples is, count yourself lucky. I mean, maybe it's time these cats start to age out. Maybe it's time to get them the fuck out of there. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. He should not be there judging fights. So what had been what had been a uh, you know a mediocre um, a mediocre night of fights. I, I I was felt fairly neutral. I saw the, the Japanese cat who everybody was talking about, and it was good. It was nice, and you know I have uh, hand. I got had somebody. You know, it was a trifecta. You got somebody had their hype train derailed in handy, got the cake shit in the middle of. I like that. I like Span finally kind of got his head together. Johnson had a long kind of uh, uh, cold spell, kind of came back. Yeah. But that whole that whole sinkhole of and, and I mean what it does is it, you read if you read it was not a piece that was pushed very hard or very far and of course it was a house machine pushed by a company guy in Joe Lawson but he was talking about the differences in the oofsie between Joe Silver times and Sean Shelby also known as Keith and he's like there are a lot more moving parts now you know. There are a lot more moving parts now. In the old days, I could just call, you know, for Tito, or I could do this or that. There are a lot of moving parts now. It's not that easy. I got you. He was given cover. Yeah, he was given cover. I, it's, but I mean, but it was useful because what it what it cements in my head is this idea: like we don't know, we don't know, we don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? We don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. I think I know. I suspect. And the thing is, the judges don't collude, right? Yeah, I mean, the judges don't collude. So it's not like you know what the other judge is putting down on this card, and they're not sitting close together, so they can't use the patented Eugene S. Robinson roving eye technique. I'm concentrating so hard. Ding, 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 ding. Steve Austin. Eight. You just put the answer. Yes, eight. But you didn't show your work. Ah, well, it just came out of me. Eight. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, against Bivol. Come on. Come on. This is why I hate sports with this, this, this figure skating with the judging. Oh, they did that hand gesture much bigger. Stop it. So it put a whole stink on the whole thing because that made me ask all these uncomfortable questions about why Kibono, how how does her be in the cup? And they made it the fight of the night. They made it the fight. Do you understand? There's something else happening here. The way I'm feeling now, somebody somewhere sitting in an office has decided that that's the way they wanted me to feel. That's the way they wanted me to feel. To what end? Fight of the night? That's the fight of the night. Okay. You can't think of any other fights in the card that were any good. I saw all of them. Every single fight. I didn't miss a single fight. I I, I missed one live, and that was Maximo. And Mr. Is said, go back and watch it. And the way he constructed the sentence, Mr. Is, you need to know, I thought that 
you meant that Maximo, who's a 209 guy, trains with some of the guys I trained, used to train with, that he had won. Imagine my surprise when he had it. He gets choked into unconsciousness by a guy with a, a, a hammer and sickle fucking tattoo. On the same day that I see Jeff Monson, who used to be one of my faves, uh, shilling for Putin embedded himself in the Ukraine is telling us about the valiant freedom fighters in Eastern Ukraine who don't want to work with Zelensky and don't want to be part of Ukraine and want to be uh, uh, seated or attached to, to Russia whole. Jeff, 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 Jeff. You know, I got a history with Jeff that's in a very strange avenue. Like, why was your ex sending me naked photos of you, Jeff? Why do I have these burned in my head? Yeah, you wish you didn't have to hear it? I wish I didn't have to see it. And I thought I'd gotten rid of them. When I had the little computer crash and I had to get everything fixed, found them. Uh, the certain things you don't want to see. I don't know what her plan was, but I think her plan was to largely shame the guy. And I guarantee you that most certainly would have done it. You know what I'm saying? Not the biggest man, but this shilling for Putin. And then, you know, I don't want to, Monson is kind of past it. And then Kamsat Chimiev is out there with Caddy Roth. Yeah. Yeah, Andrea Lee. And of course, that was an, another another thing. Look, Andrea Lee pleasantly got her ass kicked. Got her ass kicked. But now I got again, I'm at cross. I'm at cross. I, I couldn't hear because at this point I was putting the kid to bed. So I had I got I got no volume on it, right? So I don't hear what they're saying in the corner. But you got to know when you have certain exposure. I believe he was talking about a dirty trick. And you remember that Bill Burr thing where he's like talking about, um, what did he say? He said, black guys and white guys. He goes, he was talking to Patrice O'Neill and Patrice O'Neill was like, uh, yeah. He's, it depends on when you where you put the adjective. Where he said, he said, um, you could say fucking Asians and that's different from Asian fucks <laughs> or something. Bill Burr does it and I can't remember which one but you can hear it tonally when he says it and you can hear that there's a difference. One is a categorical application in which you know it's kind of shitty and the other is like that guy who happens to be Asian is a fuck. That technique with the eye poke, as applied by Brazilian fighters, is fucking dirty. Or Brazilian fighters are fucking dirty because are Brazilians are dirty. <laughs> now look, I, I'm part of this conversation too in a weird way. Like I used the word, I said gypsies the other day. Somebody flipped out. I said, no, they were gypsies. I was in a restaurant in Montpellier and uh, 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 the, the gypsies, they were gypsies. Because no, okay, what do they call Romany. Oh, I say, okay, Romany. So who starts flipping out? A Romanian guy. Goes, they're not fucking Romany. What are, what are they, man? What are they? Well, come on, help me. Uh, come on. I'm just an American trying to get through a conversation. What are we talking about here? What are they? Well, they're indoor area. And I go, okay, you know what? I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I just won't refer to them at all. A beggar. A beggar came up to me in Montpellier. So, okay, so dude says fucking dirty, dirty business. And now he starts tweeting about it. And he starts tweeting about it in the context of cancel culture. Don't use these buzzwords. Use these buzzwords. It's in it, like I've talked about before. It's just internet talk. There's no reality to any of these things. I don't. What do you mean? We're all supposed to understand what that means. Don't fucking use it because you don't know what it means, and I don't know what it means. Don't die. Don't die, Blondie. 
We don't know. We don't know what we're talking about. And then, of course, Andrea Lee was the one, you know, the one whose the previous husband was like some white supremacy guy, and she's all over her page with one of these truth registers. And it's like, ah, but whatever, free speech. I can't say, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want, but we just don't have to listen. You know, Trafalgar Square, you pull up the you pull up your soapbox, stand on it, say whatever you want. We don't have to listen. And if you're in a position where people pay you to be listen to listen to you, and people decide they don't want to listen to you, so they're not going to pay you, don't act surprised. Or when the guy get asks you to get the fuck out of his Uber because you wanted a normal driver and you're so happy because he's white because white equals normal. Like John Wayne Gacy was pretty white, and by some counts, pretty normal. He also strangled and fucked to death thirty three boys. Is that the kind? That's what you want. It's like that great uh, skit that he did on TV. I don't remember who it was uh, or what show it was, where they they have Yafet Koto, the famous African American actor. Yeah, exactly. BC's got it right. Tries to hail a cab in New York, can't get a cab. They take a white guy who got out of prison for murder. Much like my guy who murdered his girlfriend, who I started the story, the story the hour out talking about, and he catches the cab right away. And then they go to the cab driver. Do you know you just picked up a convicted murderer? He got out of prison like eight days ago for murder. Ah, well, I hope he doesn't murder me. Ah, he's white. He's all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, people are so fucking stupid. Like I've said before, I thought people this stupid only existed in cartoons, but I got you. I got mugged by a guy in a red sweater. The second time I got mugged, I got mugged by a guy in a red sweater. The third and fourth and fifth time I got mugged by a guy in a red sweater. So I'm I'm kind of hinky around guys in red sweaters now. I made the association. I got it. But like I said before, there weren't tuxedos on the slave ships. They didn't show up in tuxedos. And I can't help but think that this has got everything to do with, well, we've been down that road before. Let's not talk about that now. Let's talk about the fact that next week's fight card has got like 11 fights on it, and I've chosen to care about three. And these are the three last fights. <laughs> these were the three last fights. And that would be Caitlin Vieira, uh, Caitlin Vieira and Holly Holm, and then two other fights that I can't remember for the life of me now. I can watch these on the core. I don't have to watch them live, do something else with my time, like maybe get my hair cut. I mean, we talked about it on Care, Don't Care, which goes live tomorrow at noon. Uh, this show stopper is now live now. It'll be rest of the week. Read the newsletter, Look What You Made Me Do, on uh, the Sex with Eugene column. And then later this week on Wong Duty, I, I interviewed a famous guy. I'm not going to, I don't want to, the interview went way longer, so I have to transcribe it. And I'm not going to tip my hand, but I was super excited to interview this guy. He's one of those guys where you look at him and go, that guy. Great character guy. Got, and uh, really, really fantastic interview. Really fantastic interview. I'll, g- I'll give you a teaser uh, which, without revealing who he was. Now, the guy is uh, he's the son of this hot shit military general, like a five-star U.S. Army general. And when he was like 34, you know, there's this moment where he's like, nah, it's about time to have that talk. Right, like we talk about honesty being the best policy, whatever. He's going to have that talk. You know, he's going to essentially come out and tell his family he's gay. You know, military man, long-term mother, super Catholic, the whole bit. So he tells everybody one by one. And the mother's like, you're going to hell. This is me. I don't have grandchildren. You know, the whole, I would rather you be dead than to be gay. This is pretty terrible. Father's military guy is like, well, dad, I need to tell you, you know. And the father listens and goes, that's okay. You know I'm gay too, don't you? <laughs> what? She's been married to mom for 40 years. He's like, yeah, I kind of thought you would do the same thing. But uh, I have to tell you, frankly, I'm, I'm proud of you for not. <laughs> what a way for dad to steal your thunder. You think you're coming in with some shit that's going to blow the old man out of his socks? And he jujitsu's you and says, you're gay. Shit. I'm gay. I'm gay, 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 gay. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, hold on. Um, I'm so it's a great piece. I'm gonna try to get it in shape to run this week. But if you follow me on Twitter machine, I tweet everything out. You'll see it there. We did Andre Shakti this past just on Friday, so that's still live. Andre Shakti, she fought in the uh, lingerie fighting alliance thing in Vegas this past weekend as well. So she was in Vegas. Interesting, interesting character. Left home at 17. Sicilian from Jersey. And has made her whole life uh, a porn star, a uh, a uh, yeah, a fighter, a producer, actor, writes for Cosmo and uh, Town & Country magazines as well. So an interesting study. In contrast, Andre Shakti, you can see it. I tweeted it out. But if you go to WongDuty.com or just type in Andre Shakti and Eugene Robinson, it might come up. Anyway, this is version Two, a one, a, a six of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We'll see you on Tuesday night uh, with the If the Shoes Fit thing. Everything else is a wash. Wait for Thursday. Maybe it'll come out. Until then, I'm sorry I got to rush the kids. I got to get do some stuff. Kids stuff. I got to rush. I got to get out of here. Uh, uh, until then, well, I can't scream because you're still on the edge of sleep. Until then, what, 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 what? Don't die. And look what you made me do. Shh.